Pastor Xavier Reese says what God promises he'll do, he does. There comes a time, there is a place where God says, here's the line, you cross that line, it's over with. Now I don't know where that line is. God alone knows it. The problem with the present is we can't see the future. Hell, if we could look at the future the way we can look at the past, it'd be great. We can't. So then we should do the next best thing. Learn from the past so we don't blow it in the future. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. This lamenting of Jesus from Matthew 23 described how a disobedient religious establishment that opposed him was thereby warned of the coming judgment. And in today's Simple Truth Study, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the judgment God was forced to deliver to Israel some 600 years earlier for also not heeding the warning delivered by the prophet Jeremiah. If your Bible is handy, you'll want to follow along in Jeremiah chapter 39 for a message titled, God keeps his promises. Joshua addressed the nation of Israel after the land had been conquered. And he said this, Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing had failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. What an amazing statement. You may not know how God's going to do something. Something may sound totally impossible when you read it in the Word of God. Or you may be going through things that you say there's no way. But God keeps His promises. In fact, Moses told the children of Israel in the book of Numbers, God is not a man that he shall lie, nor the son of a man that shall repent. Has he said it? Will he not do it? Or has he spoken? And will he not make it good? Yes. God keeps his promises. And in this chapter, chapter 39, it's epitomized. So we want to look at the faithfulness of God to his word, which is revealed by three events. These three events that are declared in this chapter epitomize the keeping promise of God. In spite of the difficulty, in spite of the impossibilities, in spite of the inability to know how, God is faithful to keep his promises. Let me read the, our passage here. He says, In the ninth year, Zedekiah king of Judah, in the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon and all the armies came against Jerusalem and besieged it. In the eleventh year, Zedekiah, in the fourth year, on the ninth day of the month, the city was penetrated. Then all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and sat at the middle gate, uh, Nergal, Sherezer, Shamgar Nebo, Star Sechem, Rab Saris, Nigal Sarezer, Rabmog, and with the rest of the princes of the king of Babylon. And so it was when Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and all the men of war saw them, that they fled and they went out of the city by night, by way of the king's garden, by the gate between the two walls, and he went out by way of the plain. But the Chaldean army pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plain of Jericho. And when they had captured him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, at Riblah, in the land of Hamath, where uh, he pronounced judgment on him. 
And then the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes in Riblah. And the king of Babylon also killed all the nobles of Judah. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with bronze fetters, carried him off to Babylon. And the Chaldeans burned the king's house and the house of the people with fire and broke down the walls of Jerusalem. And then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captives of Babylon, the remnant of the people who remained in the city, and those who um, deflected to him with the rest of the people who remained. But Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, left in the land of Judah the poor people who had nothing and gave them vineyards and fields at the same time. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, gave charge concerning Jeremiah to Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, saying, Take him and look after him and do him no harm, but do to him just as he says to you. So Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, sent uh, Shazban, Rabaris, uh, Nagasherizer, Rambab, and all the kings of Babylon's chief officers, same ones that were mentioned. And then they sent um, someone to take Jeremiah from the court of the prison and committed him to Gadaliah, the son of uh, Ahiakim, the son of Shaphan, that he should take him home. So he dwelt among the people. Meanwhile, the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Go and speak to Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my word upon this city for adversity and not for good, and they shall be performed in that day before you. But I will deliver you in that day, says the Lord, and you shall not be given to the hand of the men of whom you are afraid. For I will surely deliver you, and you shall not fall by the sword. But your life shall be as a price to you, because you have put your trust in me, says the Lord. The faithfulness of God to his word is revealed through these three events. This is after 40 years of ministry. And all of a sudden, what God has been declaring, even back further in the days of Isaiah, has come to pass. As impossible, as difficult, as outrageous as it sounded, it came to pass. And these three events epitomize God's keeping promises by these three things. First, the fall of Jerusalem. Verse 1 through 3 and verse 8 through 10. Secondly, the failure of Zedekiah in verse 4 through 7. And then the favor of God's servants in verse 11 through 18. Let's begin here with the fall of Jerusalem, verse 1 through 3, and then we'll take 8 through 10. Notice in verse 1 and 2, the fall of Jerusalem is a matter of history. This is very important. The date of the siege against Jerusalem was in the ninth year of Zedekiah in the tenth month, verse 1 tells us. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his armies came against Jerusalem and they besieged it. January of 587 B.C. These events are supplemented to us as we read Jeremiah telling us that on the tenth day of the month, it happened. You find this in Jeremiah 52. Chapter 52 gives you more detail of the fall of Jerusalem. When we get there, we're going to deal with it. But there it tells in the 10th month. So that, 2 Kings 25, 2 Chronicles 36, are supplementary materials that we look and we see more details. Sometimes that aren't given here. And as you put it all together, you get a greater picture of what's going on between the dates and the events that went on. Now, 
When I said that it's recorded in history, this is by God's doing. It was a very important date. In fact, remember that Ezekiel's over in Babylon, right? Jeremiah's there in Jerusalem. Well, God spoke to Ezekiel when all this was going on. And he told him to write this date down as a commemorated date for the people of God. Ezekiel 24, 1-3 said that God did this out of his word. As he had prophesied, and that Ezekiel was to record the very date. How important it is for us to study the word of God and not to get bored by the details. Say, what do I care when it happened? What do I care about this name? Listen, God didn't write this fat book to impress us. He allowed everything to be recorded so that we might be good spiritual detectives. Nothing is here by coincidence. Why is it that I might look at this date and realize what took place in this date. And as I read the history of Israel. That I might realize that this was a culmination of years and years and years of warning. It happened. In verse 2. The date of the entry to the Jerusalem. Was on the 11th year of Zedekiah in the 4th month. The ninth day of the month. That's when the city was penetrated. So now you're looking at July 586. So 18 months is what we get recorded here from the first to the second date. Now, as you read this account here, some have confused what's going on in this chapter with the chapter that follows in chapter 40, particularly verse 1 through 6. And they think they are in contradiction to each other. When in fact, careful reading of it will realize that as we get to the end of this chapter, Jeremiah is released from prison by the command of Nebuchadnezzar. But in chapter 40, somehow there's a mix-up and he is brought back into chains and he's taken up to Ramah, the rallying point where they take the captives to Babylon. And then the general sees and recognizes that and sets him free again from that point. There is no contradiction, okay? Now, notice secondly in verse 3, the fall of Jerusalem was evident by the overthrow of authority. This is always the case. Authority is very, very important. Notice then all the princes of the king of Babylon came and they sat in the middle gate. The gates, as you know, are the place of government, the place of authority. All business, judgment, everything went on right there. Not only the authority was overthrown, but notice authority here in verse 8 through 10. The fall of Jerusalem brought total destruction. Total destruction. In verse 8, the Chaldeans burned the king's houses, the house of the people with fire, and they broke down the walls of Jerusalem. And where they've done some excavations, Professor Shiloh did excavations, and he saw the burnt area during Jeremiah's time. And they found hundreds and thousands of idols in all the burnt houses, okay? So we have the historical evidence also in archaeology today to confirm this. This took place again one month after the penetration in 2 Kings 25.8. Now, the temple was also burned. We get this in chapter 52 of Jeremiah, verse 13, and also 2 Kings 25.9. Uh, he says, He burned the house of the Lord and the king's house, all the house of Jerusalem that is in it, and all the houses of the great, and he burned with fire. How interesting. They would burn their children on the arms of Molech in the valley of Kidron there, uh, of Hinnom. And now God judged them with fire. God's judgment. In verse 9, notice that Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captives to Babylon. And the remnant of the people who had uh, remained in the city, and those who had defected to him with the rest of the people who had remained. Now remember, Jeremiah has been saying, listen, you guys just go to the Chaldeans. Just give up, surrender. And this is one of the reasons he got in trouble. We're going to see that tonight again. Okay? And many of these people did go out. 
And so now, as they trusted God to surrender, now they're taking the Babylon to live for 70 years in peace. As God had promised. It seemed to be suicide at the time. But now, they see, good thing I trusted God. Sound familiar? His name here, Nebuzaradan, means he who has given seed. He was the captain of the guard, the bodyguard, literally the chief butcher, the field marshal who was the chief executor, the chief executioner as he went through the land to mop up the conquest. And so he is responsible for rounding up all the remaining individuals and taking them to the rallying point at Ramah and then transferring them over to Babylon. Notice in verse 10, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, left in the land the people who? The poor people. Who had nothing. What does he give them? The vineyards, the fields, everything else. Is God gracious or what? Does God have a sense of humor? All these guys that, 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 that ripped all the people off, all these guys that have everything and they're trying to hang on to it, God says, I'll fix you guys. I'll give all your stuff to the poor people. <laughs> it was also wise of the Babylonians because rather than to leave a desolate land, to leave some of the poor in the land, it's occupied and they just have to see some overseers as they leave Gadaliah as the governor to oversee. In this way, they their property and their a conquest is secured. And so it's common sense. Now, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. After ministering for three and a half years, the Jews kept rejecting, rejecting, rejecting His word. And He wept over Jerusalem. He says, how many times I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks on her wings, but you would not. So now I leave unto you desolate, and you shall not see me henceforth till I come in the name of the Lord. Last time, Matthew 23, 37 to 39. Gave them up judgment. This is what's happening here. There comes a time, there is a place where God says, here's the line. You cross that line, it's over with. Now, I don't know where that line is. God alone knows it. We know that this was a line because we're reading about it in history. The problem with the present is we can't see the future. Well, if we could look at the future the way we can look at the past, it'd be great. We can't. So then we should do the next best thing. Learn from the past so we don't blow it in the future. There's the lesson. Now, the fall of man is a matter of history. As much as Jerusalem, the fall. The date is given to us. It's not obscure, it's not hidden. And Genesis says that Adam and Eve doubted the word of God. And they fell into disobedience. It's marked for us. How many people say, ah, you believe in Adam and Eve? Adam followed in transgression, so he's the one held responsible for the fall. Romans 5.12 and 1 Corinthians 15.45. He's the federal head. They allowed Satan to bring doubt and rebellion into their heart. But they exercised their free will. Now, God's authority was rejected. And that authority was given to Satan by Adam and Eve. Now, God has made a way by us being born again, to relinquish that authority back to Jesus Christ so that He might rule over our lives. But that's a free will. As much as the fall came through free will, so does your restoration and redemption comes from free will. God doesn't save you forcibly or against your will. It's a conscious effort on your part to surrender your life to Him as He convicts your heart of your sin and of your lostness. And as you step out and believe God, then He honors His Word. And He saves you and He forgives you. But if you're not a Christian, then Satan is the one who has authority over you. In fact, he's called the ruler of this world by Jesus Christ in John 14, 30. 
He's called the God of this world in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 4.4. 4. He's called the Prince of the Power of the Air in Ephesians 2.2. 2. Jesus said that he came to destroy the works of the devil in 1 John 3.8. And so he has. At the cross, he knocked all of Satan's teeth out. All he can do is gum you. He can't bite you. And he put his foot over his neck. And he destroyed him who had the power of death, Hebrews 2 tells us. And now I have a choice, just like Adam and Eve. Do I believe the record that is logged in history? Or do I say, nah, that's a story. God honors only His Son and the atoning work of redemption through His Son. God speaking through Ezekiel said again, When a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you did not give him warning, he shall die in his sins. And his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. And if you read on, he gives just the opposite of that. In other words, Ezekiel 3.20 and on. It says, Ezekiel, you are the watchman of the house. You preach repentance. You tell them to turn from their sin. And if they turn, you'll be innocent of their blood. But if you don't preach repentance and they die in their sin, I will hold you responsible. You say, thank God that's Old Testament. Better look at Acts 20. Paul says to the Ephesian elders, I am innocent of the blood of every man. Wow. Does that mean God holds me responsible for somebody else's sins? No. But He holds me responsible for the gospel. If you're a doctor, and you have an antidote for some disease, and people are dying of it, and you're not sharing it. What would the law call you? It would call you a criminal. Is it any less for the spiritual realm? Let me say more so in the spiritual realm. People are dying all around because they don't have Jesus Christ. They don't know the gospel. For the first time in our history as Americans, listen to me well. For the first time in the history of America, there are people in the United States that have never heard about Jesus Christ or the gospel. For the first time in American history, nations of the world are sending missionaries to the United States. Kind of ironic, isn't it? Jesus said, For God did not send a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John three seventeen. You see, some people think that God sent a son to condemn us. He did not. Some people think that God sent a son to make our life miserable. He did not. He sent a son to show me my sin and to tell me that he died for it and that I can be born again and be forgiven and be a son of God. That's why he sent the son. Jesus said one thing that's so awesome. As the crowds were around, he said this, Luke twenty eighteen: Whoever falls on that stone will be broken but on whoever it falls, it will grind him to powder. The stone is him. The stumbling stone that the builders disallowed and rejected. In other words, if I see myself as a sinner, as he says I am, and that he's the only way that I can get to heaven through forgiveness, then I fall upon him, I will be broken. I will be broken of my pride, of my power of sin and everything else. But if I don't, if I reject his word, then... He will grind me to powder. As Jerusalem fell, I will fall. 
I will reach destruction. Awesome words. The fall of Jerusalem had been proclaimed for 40 years. 40 years. Notice, secondly, we have the failure of Zedekiah. We've seen the fall of Jerusalem. Now the failure of Zedekiah here. Epitomizes the keeping promises of God. Notice in verse 4. Zedekiah thought he could escape the judgment of Yahweh. This is always a mistake. If you think you're the exception to the rule of judgment, you're wrong. You're awfully mistaken. In verse 4, there's Zedekiah and all the men of war. Seeing the city had been penetrated, the men were there. They went out the city by night attempting to not be seen. The leaders running. They went out by way of the king's garden, located down the gate between the two walls. And uh, he went out by the way of the plain. Uh, some believe that's near the pool of Siloam and uh, through the fountain gate and out the Kidron Valley to the desert over to Jericho. Now, the two walls could be the original wall in the city of Ophel and then the extended wall after that. Okay, Others think it's another wall that was built there, but it could be just the two. Uh, there was two walls here. If you've been reading Jeremiah, you know that Zedekiah had twice secretly met with Jeremiah before this. The first time is in chapter 37, 17. And he asked him, secretly in his house, is there any word from the Lord? You see, listen, wait. Zedekiah loved to hear Jeremiah. He loved to hear the word. But you know what? He never obeyed it. He called him in secretly. After being brought from the prison cell there. The second one is in chapter 38, verse 14. And they brought him into the king through the king's entrance, the third entrance to the temple, or to the king's house, to the temple. And he asked him if, not to hide anything from him. But the message hadn't changed. It was still judgment. And all Zedekiah would do was, when the princes come and ask you, just tell them that you asked me not to send you back to prison. Zedekiah epitomizes many people in the church today and in the history of the church they, they love coming to church they feel good they love hearing the message oh yes yes but they don't do anything about it Ooh, Zedekiah here notice the failure of Zedekiah was hearing the word of God and not obeying it don't be comfortable with just hearing it you have to embrace it But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Pastor Xavier Reese closing out our time today with a perfect application of this simple truth of James 1.22. But we're not quite done for today, as Pastor Xavier is standing by with a final comment. But first, let me quickly mention that copies of today's study titled, God Keeps His Promises, are available on CD for only $4.00. That title to ask for once again is God Keeps His Promises or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 
1-800-291-9107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And Pastor Xavier, I see you're holding a message from a listener who did just that, that you wanted to share with us. Yeah, we got an email from um, Heidi Brown. She's from Montgomery, New York. We want to thank her for emailing us and letting us know that she listens to the program. And again, this is the only way we can tell if God is using it. And we so appreciate it. So we encourage you that if uh, God has allowed you to be fed through this program or any other program for that matter, that you be responsible and drop them an email so that they would um, understand exactly how God is blessing it. Thanks a lot. God bless you. Yes. Hearing from listeners is really the best confirmation for ministries like ours that the message is being received. And if you'd like to share your thoughts like Heidi did, you can email Pastor Xavier at simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. Or mail a brief note to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And we hope you'll tell a friend and join us again soon for more Simple Truths right here with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 